Let's pray together. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would breathe over your word. Lord, make it new in our hearts tonight. Lord, I pray for each person here, young and old. Lord, you know what their week has been like, what the season has been like. Lord, you know the distractions in their minds, the things that burden them tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would clear people's minds and hearts to hear you tonight. Lord, be born in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So what do you want for Christmas this year? What do you want for Christmas? If those were your presents, well, under the tree, what would you want? So I was talking to my son and asking him, what do you want for Christmas? He's two, two and a half. And he's, you know, talking a lot more. And I said, what do you want for Christmas? And he kind of looks down and he says, hoodie. Um, like, hoodie? You want a hoodie? He's like, I want hoodie. I'm like, Okay, and so later that day, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, so, yeah, Cohen wants a sweater. He said he wants a hoodie for Christmas. And she says, oh, yeah, no, he wants Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes way more sense than a hoodie. Um, so, what do you want for Christmas? Now, the older we get, right, the less uh, significance the presents take in our lives. I've realized that presents last about six days for me, Right? So I think like, oh man, I want something, I really want to get it, and then I get it for Christmas, and I feel really great that day, and the next day, and a few days later, and then it wears off, and I know it takes six days, because by the time I get to New Year's, I feel a little empty again, and I'm like, you know what, I, I need to fix myself, you know, I need to look, maybe it's not stuff that I need, maybe it's, I got to get some more discipline in my life, and more willpower, and I need to lose some weight, and I need to work on these goals, and then that lasts about six weeks, and then you realize, well, that didn't work. That, and I'm empty again. And I'm like, well, at least it's Valentine's Day. Maybe romantic love will fill me up. And really, our lives oftentimes are longing after one thing, after the next, after the next. And then emptying and longing and emptying and longing. And it reminds me of one of my favorite theologians, Bruce Springsteen. Um, <laughs> who says, everybody's got a hungry heart. And that's so true. We're hungry people. We long for so many things. So I'm going to ask it again. What do you really want for Christmas this year? What are you anxious for? What are you longing for? What do you deeply desire? Now, if you're honest with yourself, for me, it's that there's some broken things in my life that I want to get healing and freedom from. There's things that I've lost that I want to regain, right? The brokenness in our relationships, friendships that have been severed or have been ignored, struggles in our marriages underneath the pain of time and busyness and wanting to regain that love, brokenness within our families. Then there's also the brokenness in our work, you know, we, we try to put our best in and we do, try to do as much as we can and it never seems like it's enough. And the stress of our work or our school weighs on us and it affects our families. 
Or there's the brokenness of our bodies, right? Of our minds that we don't look the way we want to look. Or we don't feel the way we want to feel. Or the brokenness in the bodies of those we love. We never think that we are going to be the ones that get sick or our family is going to be the one that has the cancer. We never think that we're the ones that are going to get old or that our parents are going to get old and wear out and feel all these aches and pains. What do you really want for Christmas? If you're like me, that's really what you want. Some of those deep longings for mending of the broken things in our life. And it reminds me of this song. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. Um, it's Joni Mitchell and James Taylor wrote the song. And uh, it's called River. And Sam Smith has this really haunting version of it. Um, so if you're looking for some music on the way home, it's a good one. Uh, it goes like this. Joni Mitchell writes, It's coming on Christmas. They're cutting down trees, putting up reindeer, singing songs of joy and peace. And there is a beauty and a brilliance in life that's reflected at Christmas time. But there's also this brokenness and messiness kind of undergirding that. The song continues. It says this, But it doesn't snow here. Stays pretty green. She must be writing from Florida, right? She says, I'm going to make a lot of money. Going to quit this crazy scene. You can hear that discontent from the brokenness around her, the futility that she feels. And then she gets really honest. She says, I'm so hard to handle. I'm selfish and I'm sad. Now I've gone and lost the best baby that I've ever had. She's talking about the discontent with the brokenness within her. And then she writes this, so beautiful. She says, oh, I wish I had a river that I could skate away on. It speaks to both the love and the brilliance of Christmas but also the longing and the brokenness that we find at Christmas time. So then the question is this, the age-old question, why we keep coming to church, even though we don't know if we believe all this stuff. What is it about the mystery of the baby and the manger? And then the most important question that all of us have to answer, really the most important question of your life, is is that baby in a manger, can it really speak into the brokenness and the world and the brokenness within me? So here's my main point. Jesus' birth is where our deepest longings intersect with God's greatest desire. Jesus' birth is where our deepest longings intersect with God's greatest desire. Now, you may be thinking, I already know the Christmas story. I know what it's all about. But are you so sure that you know? Have you really investigated it? You would probably say, if I went around and said, what's, this, you know, what's the manger about? You would say, Jesus came into the world to save it. And I would say, yeah, you're right. That is what it's about. But what does that mean? What does that really mean? If somebody were to say, well, why does it need to be saved? And what is the deal with sin? And why did God have to come into the world to do that? That's where we start to have to reinvestigate the story and go deeper. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to investigate it together. We're going to look at it with fresh eyes. And we're going to be looking at three things. First off, the reason for Christ's birth. The second is the response to Christ's birth. And the third is 
the result of Christ's birth in our lives. Reason, response, result. You with me? All right. So let's look at the reason. This is the most important thing. Now, I want you to imagine that you're a journalist and you're trying to figure this out. You're trying to figure out what happened at the birth story. Now, if you're any journalist worth their salt, who would you talk to? You would talk to the eyewitnesses, right? The people that were there. You would talk to the shepherds. You talk to Joseph. You talk to Mary. And a lot of times, because we've heard the story so many times, we think it's just kind of a fairy tale. But it wasn't. It was history. This actually happened. That Jesus was actually born. And there's eyewitnesses to prove it. In Luke, the account that we're going to be reading from today, if you go to the very beginning of Luke, it says that Luke, in the very beginning, Luke says, I set out to write an orderly account of what happened. The narrative of Jesus' life. And I sought out the eyewitnesses. And all the scholars agree on this. That this story came from who? Who could have known this story with such detail? Only Mary. She was the main source for this material. And so, let's look at the story from Mary's eyes. The whole reason for Christmas can be found in this, though. Because a lot of times we think of the details, the baby and the manger, the stars, the angels, and all that kind of stuff. But all of those things were just a hand pointing to why. To the reason that he came. And it can all be summed up in this. So if you were going to explain it to somebody, what is Christmas all about? You can take them to this passage. This is the angels speaking to the shepherds. The shepherds have no idea what's going on. The angels show up and say, this is what's happening. And this is the reason that it's happening. They say this, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the whole deal right there. That's the whole reason. So we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about that. Now, we're going to do it by having a little bit of fun because it is Christmas. So we're going to have a little Christmas trivia. Are you ready? Because we think we know the story, but do we really know the story? So my first trivia question for you is this. Don't say it out loud if you know it. The brainiacs in the room. What does the name Emmanuel mean? Who knows? Don't say it. Don't say it. I said not to say it. Okay. We got some people, right? Okay. Now here's the deal. It doesn't really matter if you know the literal meaning of Emmanuel. So I want to let you off the hook. Um, you might know the Greek or the Hebrew. That, that, that doesn't matter. The question is, is, do you know the significance for what this word means in your own life? So let's go to look at the text. We'll investigate it. We'll figure it out together. Everybody's going to win this trivia. Just going to give you a heads up. All right. So here's the two texts that we get it. The first one is that, the, the, the Luke text. For unto you is born this day. Do you hear the language? It's not just like there was a baby born today. It was unto you is born this day. And then it goes on. This is the Matthew version. This is the other birth narrative where the angel is coming and talking to Joseph. And he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. All right, so just for future reference, the answer was sitting right over here, in case you didn't know. Um, it's like, look at my hand. No, it's over there. Okay, so God with us, that's what it means. But what is the significance of that for our life? Now, you, you sing it every year, and this is what it means. Hark the herald angels sing. This is a song. 
Listen to the lyrics. Christ by heaven, by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. So what that means is that the Son of God has been in eternity everlasting in relationship with the Father and the Spirit and the happy home of the Trinity, eternity in heaven together. And then it says, late in time, late in time, which means at the right time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. So he, the eternal son of God, became man. And then it says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. That means that a member of the Godhead of the Trinity was veiled in all of our human weakness, became a man. Now, don't be confused because it's not that his divinity somehow left him, but rather it says, mild he lays his glory by, born that we no more may die. That he didn't lose his divinity when he became man, but he lost the glory of being the eternal son of God. The glory that was involved in became in weakness and emptied himself of that glory and became a man. Now, what does that mean for us? That's just theology. What does that mean for us? What it means for us is this. That we can no longer say, well, God doesn't know what it's like to live in this broken world. God doesn't know what it's like to be tempted. He doesn't know what it's like to be without. He doesn't know what it's like to suffer. God doesn't know what it's like. Because he does. He stepped into that brokenness 2,000 years ago. But that's still history. Tonight, he wants to step into your brokenness. Emmanuel, God with us. His very name means that he is with us in our brokenness. What that means is whatever you're struggling with, whatever brokenness you have in your life, in your work, in your family, God's saying, you don't have to suffer alone. I became man to come and suffer with you. I am with you in that suffering. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, this past week, my wife and my two-year-old son were out in the evening time, and so I was excited because I got to spend some quality time with our nine-month-old daughter, Gemma. And so I was excited because we got to do a bedtime routine together, and so I was like, okay, we're going to read a Bible story, and then we're, I'm going to sing a hymn over her, and it's going to be this beautiful time together. And so I, re, I start, you know, we sit down in the rocking chair, turn on the lamp, start, it's quiet in there, I start reading her the story, and she's like, uh, you know, like trying to rip the pages, and I'm like, oh, this is not working. And, and so I'm like, well, let me just sing over her. And so I have this hymnal, and I'm singing Silent Night over her, and she's just like, I don't know, like, oh, this is not working. And then... There was a voice that I heard, I, I think it was God, saying, get on the floor. Okay, and so I placed her down on the floor, and I got down, I laid down on the floor with her right down at her level. And her face just lit up, and she started laughing and playing and crawling around. God came down to be with us in all the brokenness of our lives. That's what his name means, Emmanuel. Now, next trivia question. What does the name Jesus mean? Who knows? What does the name Jesus mean? 
All right, we got a few. We got a few. A little bit less. You know, we would think. You think you know what that means, but even I forget. Um, I'm a pastor. I should know better. Um, so, let's go ahead and look at the next text. It says this. Uh, this is the very next text, and in, in, uh, Luke two eleven says, "For unto you is born again that Emmanuel, God with us." Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then it says, she will bear a son. This is the Matthew text. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. All right, so the answer to that question is that Jesus means God saves or God rescues. Now, what does that mean? It means that he didn't just come to do a, a, a tour of earth to come and watch and observe the suffering that we go through. No, he actually came to rescue us. It was a rescue mission. He came to save us from the brokenness. He came to save us from sin. And now, that word sin gets thrown around some at Christmas time, but what does that really mean? And I want to give you a definition. Sin is the self-centeredness and belief that we can do it our way and not God's way. The self-centeredness and belief that we can do it our way and not God's way. That's really what sin is all about. And if you think about some of the brokenness around you in your life, the relational brokenness, a lot of it goes back to that. That somebody's been selfish in your life. They've tried to do it their way and not God's way and it's made a wreck. But if we're really honest with ourselves, it's not just the source of the brokenness around us. It's also the source of the brokenness within us. Romans 8, verse, or chapter 7, Paul describes what this brokenness feels like that we feel within us. And the first time I read this, I really thought, like, Paul must have read my journal. Um, listen, listen to this and tell me if you can relate. It says this, I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Even when we're trying our hardest, the brokenness of sin is present. And what I find is in those breaking points in my life, my heart cries out, will somebody come and help me? Will somebody come and rescue me? God's very name means, yes, I will, I have. Jesus, God saves. Now, in the beginning of the sermon, I said this, that Jesus' birth is where our greatest longings intercept with God's greatest desire. So what do you want for Christmas? I ask that. What do you really want? 
My guess is that you want that brokenness healed. Now, I want to turn that question and look at it from a slightly different perspective. Have you ever thought about this? What does God want for Christmas? You. He wants you. He wants you. Every single one of you. He wants you. So much so that he came down into all of our brokenness to come be with us in it. But not only be with us in it, to take it on himself on the cross. Dying for all of our sin and brokenness. Not just mine, not just yours, but all of it. To rescue us. So that we can be in relationship with him. You see, God desires a relationship with you and he'll do whatever it takes to get it. He wants you. So that's the reason for Christmas. But what's the response? We have to respond. This reason begs a response. So what do we do? How do we receive the salvation? Here's what I want you to hear. That salvation comes through surrender. Surrender. That if you've never given your life to Christ, all you have to do is surrender. To admit that you need to be saved from your sin and brokenness and trust and receive that free gift. And if you're a Christian, but you realize there's been some aspect of your life, something that you've been trying to control and your control over it has been ruining your life, Resurrender. Give it back to him. Say, God, I've tried to take back control of something that was always yours in the first place. Salvation comes through surrender, whether it's the first time you've ever done it or the thousandth time you've ever done it. Now, when you hear that though, if you're like me, there's a resistance to that. Why? Because It means we have to admit that there's something wrong with us that we can't fix. It confronts our pride head on. It's especially hard for us men because it it means admitting weakness. I, I want you to imagine that tomorrow you're opening your presents and your spouse or your friend or your sibling gives you a present and it's a book. You you rip it open and you're excited to see what it is, and it's a book and it says overcoming selfishness. And you're like And they're like, trust me, I've read it. It changed my life. You should read it too. (laughs) What does that say? Oh my goodness. Like, I must be, (laughs) you must see something that I don't see. I must be broken. But here's the deal. It takes great courage to admit that you need God. Salvation comes through surrender. So, tonight, is there something that you need to surrender to God? Now, here's what I want to tell you. That the result of that response of surrender is joy. It's freedom. St. Augustine says it this way. It's so perfect. He says, Our hearts are restless until they find our rest in you, O God. It's rest. It's all the things that you've been longing for, but have just been right outside your reach. And God says, surrender, and I'll give you freedom. Think about it this way. All right, what do we, if if you're watching a war movie or you've fought in a battle, 
What do you do? What's the sign of surrender? That, help me out here. White flag, right? Or, or you put your weapon down and you put your hands up, right? You're saying, okay, all right. Now, when we, when, if you surrender in war, what that means is that you get taken away by the enemy and put in prison. But here's the mystery of salvation. Is that when we surrender, we put our weapons down, stop resisting him and put our hands up and say, okay, I surrender. God comes and takes us and releases us from prison. The prison of our own brokenness and selfishness and pride. Do you see that? That's the mystery that's available to us through Jesus both living and dying for us. Salvation comes through surrender. I want to finish with, with this. Three years ago, 2016, in December, there were some fishermen that were out and they uh, were out fishing in a bay in California and they came upon this whale and they saw that the whale was caught in some crab pots and the ropes of the crab pots had started wrapping around the whale and the more that it moved and churned to try to set itself free, the tighter those ropes became around the whale. And they said as they, they approached the whale, they could see great gashes in it and the places where the, the rope was literally tearing at the flesh of the whale. And they could see blood in the water. And they said, we've got to do something. But they were afraid because they were like, what, what, if, you know, what if this whale capsizes our boat? But they said, we've got to do something. And so they, they came right up to the whale and they got a, fi a big fishing hook. And then what they began to do is pull the ropes away from the whale and started begin cutting them back. And, it's, and they said it was, it was like the whale was resisting them. As, as they were trying to, to pull the ropes away and cut them, the whale, was, was, the whale was resisting. And then all of a sudden something very unexpected happened that the whale began to realize what they were doing. And then the whale would turn over and as if to show them where the next rope needed to be cut. And it would turn over and turn over. And one by one, they loosened the ropes until the whale was free. And they said it was amazing because it swam around the boat three times, then out off into the sea. Salvation comes through surrender. And surrender brings us freedom. And so tonight, God's saying, can I come and set you free? Whether it's for the first time or the thousandth time. So what I want to do is this. I want to pray. I want to ask you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes with me. And I actually want to ask you, this is between you and God, that if your heart has been stirred by the gospel tonight. And you say, there's something that I have to surrender. I want to encourage you to raise your hand. Or if you're shy, I understand. Just wherever your hand is, if it's on your lap, as a sign to God, turn your hand upward towards him as a sign of surrender. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I just thank you 
that you haven't left us alone, that you're with us in our suffering. And you've come to set us free. And Lord, I pray for each man, woman, child in this room. Lord, that is surrendering to you. Lord, I pray that you would come and fill them with your joy. Lord, come and let them know deep in their heart that they are now a child of God because of what Jesus has done for them. Lord, we give you thanks this Christmas and every Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to encourage you, if you have given something to God or given your life to God, don't stop there. You need to tell somebody. Whether it's a friend, a family member, come talk to one of us pastors after the service. We got nothing else to do tonight, seriously. We'd love to talk with you. Talk with somebody and say, what does this mean? And I also want to let you know that this whole idea of surrender isn't static. It's a relationship. Okay? It's dynamic. And so if you have questions, that's okay. Just because you've surrendered doesn't mean you still don't have questions. Even Mary had questions when the angel came to her. And so I want to invite you to Alpha. Alpha is a place that you can come and explore your questions. There's going to be people in the back after the services handing out these invitations. There's a free candy cane and some information about Alpha on it. Mike's going to tell you more about it, but it's a place to explore your questions, to be right where you are. No questions are off limits. Nobody's going to judge you. It's just a place to learn more about Jesus. Amen.